Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. All right. Global from Asia episode 199. Angelica, what's that beautiful URL for everybody? Um, that would be www.globalfromasia.com slash episode 199. Yeah, almost 200. Can, can you get as excited as I am? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we as of this show going live, the cross-border matchmaker will have finished on Tuesday, but we had an amazing uh, event right now that we're leading up to it as we record this intro. But, you know, we have some amazing uh, attendees, Thank you to the people that attended. Thank you to the attendees. We really appreciate you coming and supporting the show and, and what we're doing here. Thank you to the to the speakers, amazing speakers uh, from both China and around the world. And then a lot of our, so many of our sponsors. Uh, today, I just want to thank again SF Express. They're a logistics service provider, sf-express.com. Uh, they come to my house often in China, in Shenzhen here, delivering packages. They're very, they're known to be very fast and reliable. And they, they also can help sellers, uh, around the world with all kinds of different services from in, you know, the importing and the customs clearance and the shipping documents and shipping of, uh, of, of everything. So check them out at sf-express.com and, Angelica, so how about this week's member? We we missed you last week. It was it's just been really crazy busy. So maybe you can catch us up with some of the amazing members that we're featuring. Yes, actually we'll be featuring another member this week. For this week it's going to be Claudia. So yeah, as we record this, we're going to feature Claudia, our chapter organizer in Miami. So um, after that, we still have a couple more until December. So um, hopefully we get to interview more members yeah. by next year. And yeah, hope they can check our member series blog. Great. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Claudia. And she's she's been a longtime listener even before the show ex- existed. She's been supporting what I've been doing and uh, just appreciate that a lot. And Thank you, everybody else, for listening, and let's just uh, keep on pushing forward. It, life is going really fast, and 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 uh, we're we're enjoying everything. So, Angelica, what? Who's our guest? We have Marcin, right? We, you yes, are you yes. are on the interview with me. We we had Marcin from Amazing Work System, and he's sold his Amazon business, and he shared a lot. You enjoyed it, right? Yes, yes, I do. Cool. And they are just looking now at some more, uh, you know, we had, he liked our episode four of e-commerce gladiator where we, I was just solo on the mic and I was sharing about some of the systems and processes that I'm using for my business as well as this e-commerce venture. So he reached out, Corin from the FBA broker connected us and he came on the show. He really shares so much valuable things. We learned some things as well, right? And yes. and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. It's all about processes and systems, specifically for Amazon sellers and uh, e-commerce business owners. So let's let's listen in. Okay. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. 
So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. I don't know, I can tell you maybe a bit more about the process or... or uh, yeah, I mean, well, I guess these systems that we're going to talk about, we, you know, of course, you have a whole program about it, and and you know, uh, there's so much to talk about. But what we'll, we'll go through, focused on the Amazon side, is uh, is is definitely was probably helpful. Was it helpful when you sold the business? Did that? Did yes. That, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the um, to be honest, I also learned more. Of, of you know about the whole process from Koran after the sale of the business when, okay. when he can kind of tell me more about you know his 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 own side of things and then so he tells me now a bit more that you know what really impacted the decision of of the sell of the buyer uh, and you know having the the, the the systems in place and um, the, the whole you know documentations the wiki uh, was was a big impact into into his decision because I think from what I remember he was considering. Uh, two two businesses. Oh, nice. um, so, so mine kind of ticked. I think three extra boxes for for the buyer. Uh, so first one was the the systematization, definitely. So she could basically take the business and kind of run with it. Um, uh, the second thing was um, my products were highly customer customized, so they weren't like just you know simple products with a logo that people do. They were actually very uh, different and um, and the third thing was um, that I actually had two more extra products um, ready to be launched. Um, so in a way, that was like a no-brainer for him to buy uh, my business because um, uh, the valuation of the business is based on your old sales, right? On your past mm-hmm. sales. But then, if you if you if you you know can buy a business that has like two almost ready to go products to go right and uh, the sales from them is not included in the evaluation but the potential is there so uh, you know that that is definitely like a huge benefit so um awesome. if, you know if people try to want to potentially sell their business they shouldn't actually just stop working and then working on on selling the business they should actually keep going keep growing and then just you know softly at some point uh you know start the process of selling agreed and so you, of course Probably it's worth mentioning now is you shouldn't wait until you want to sell the business to structure this right. It's better to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that you know I have this saying that um, you should start systematizing where way earlier than you think you should. Um, and uh, to be honest, I I think you should start it like from the get go, and because yep. then it's 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 easier and. You know, if if your listeners listeners are like serial entrepreneurs, they will know that once you start the business and and you learn new things and you you know read more books, you always say, "When I start the next one, I will do everything right." Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so rather than thinking about that, just you know, when you start this one, just do it now. You know. Uh, and then, and then it's way easier because everything is clean and nice, and it's easier to you know build a foundation and structure in the beginning rather than clean up the mess you know that you've created uh, in the. Agreed. So yeah, like uh, yeah, you've been following our our uh, 
e-commerce gladiator podcast series. And you mentioned, I, I covered it a bit uh, in episode four, where maybe you said it was aligned with what you, you uh, also feel, right? So, which is breaking down the departments, which, you know, we, we try our best here um, with Para Living and, and, uh, and our other businesses um, that I'm involved with. But uh, we wanted to maybe today dive deeper into the software side um, sure. and the, the tools that you're, uh, you're using. So I think the first one is a wiki, you, you know, Google Sites, Google Docs. I'd love to hear your strategy there. Sure. Yeah, exactly. When, like you mentioned a lot, you know, about the, uh, about the, the structure first, you know, the division to, to the departments and, and all that. Now people may think, okay, they shouldn't treat it as a, as a kind of a separate thing, you know, division to department and then doing the next steps. The, the, the reason we actually do the, the structure first, which is the departments, the division into departments and, you know, assigning the activities to each of the department is that, Everything else you do later, right? Let's say we, we don't talk about the software foundation, the wiki, the, the storage, the task management. Everything then takes the division from the structure part that you've talked about and implements it in those softwares as well. So uh, like in, in, in the case of the wiki, maybe you'll just mention quickly what wiki is. For, for, yeah, for yeah, definitely. Uh, so um, Wiki basically is a pr- place where we store every single static information about the company and especially information that is needed to perform a task or a series of tasks or activities, uh, which means that um, why are we even doing all this? The, the reason for that is um, when we get to build uh, a team or maybe just hire their first VA, um, the, the idea is that um, they the team doesn't ask you the same question twice, right? Because then that kind of makes it, you know, doesn't it lose the, the purpose of, of, of outsourcing and, and hiring people. So what, what the wiki does for, for us is that, let's imagine that your VA is performing a task, but they need to ask you some questions about, you know, um, what some data may be needed or some information. So the first time they ask you those questions, it's fine. You as a leader and as a manager, you know, so you support them during the task. Uh, but then that information then should be stored inside a what's called a wiki when the the similar or the same task is being performed that question doesn't get you know you don't get the same question twice so the first thing that your va or employees would do is go to wiki search for that information they need and then use it if it's there if it's not there then obviously they would ask you that that question and you know why is it called wiki <laughs> The reason for that is is, is to well, first, it stores a lot of information. After a while, it grows to you know a big content storage. So it's like Wikipedia has a lot, and you know uh, your company will have a lot of information late, later on. Um, also, the concept is that everybody should be able to edit and add and improve the content of the wiki. So that's also kind of connection to Wikipedia. Uh, and also, when you style it right, it kind of looks like a Wikipedia. So, so that's um, that's that's why it's called Wiki. And um, in terms of the software that that we use, I know there's like many approaches, and there's like paid um, paid software to paid softwares to do that. And um, what I use is uh, we build our Wiki in Google Sites. 
uh, G sites, Google sites. Um, the another approach, I think, it's the one you uh, might use is um, you know store everything as Google Docs and yeah. inside Drive. Yeah, and, and basically um, you know use the structure from our first part uh, to um, with the folders, right? And uh, the two approaches are fine. They both, you know, are equally good. And the reason I prefer use, using Google Sites is it's kind of easier for me to kind of scroll through the site and flick through, um, you know, pages because it looks more like a, like a website. And mm. I find, you know, searching ability is also kind of easier because you just search for something and it just pops up there and you just click it and it kind of opens that page with that information. So that's kind of also easier. And, and another benefit of, of that is, um, you know, a site gives you, gives you more options to kind of add um, pages that may not be specifically, um, you know, wiki kind of base, which means uh, you would, let's imagine the best example would be a, a welcome page, right? So you, you wouldn't have a welcome page in your Google drive google docs right while in here in case you know your first time employees would go to your weekend they first they see a page it's a welcome page with with your you know a message from from the owner from the ceo uh, so so some of the pages may act uh, like a motivational you know more like a blog kind of a, a part mm, so you you couldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to do that as a google doc because then mm. file that they would need to open and read and all that so there's a few few bits that i just like got it better. yeah i've i've also heard about google sites honestly i haven't tried but so i but i do like the idea actually i, I don't know it's like angelica works with us she if, Sometimes has trouble finding some of our SOPs, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if it's like um, in a different folder or in a different um, space. So, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, yeah, the, the Google Sites has a few other things that um, that I can mention them here because they're kind of valuable. Um, for example, there's a section in, in Google Sites themselves that um, allows to review um, latest changes. Oh. So uh, you would have a section called, you know, recent changes to, to Wiki. And then they are being populated automatically by the Google size themselves. Uh, and you can see like this user edit, edited this page yesterday. This user edited that page. And what we actually have um, in, in, in my organization with my VAs, there is in the task management system, which we're going to talk about soon, is sure. you have a re- recurring task uh, for the manager to actually look at this page quickly, it's a, it's a really it will take two minutes uh, a week, and kind of open that and see who edited things, right? Yeah. Um, and since you want to build a culture in your company uh, for your VAs and your team to actually improve the you know the the SOPs as as they use them. And that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of activities are happening in your wiki. So let's imagine the manager would go in, check the recent uh, edits, and he, he can see that you know Angelica is just editing like crazy, you know, adding more things to to SOPs, and we're like, okay, this is brilliant, this is great. And then you can you know mention that on your next meeting, and then nice. you know uh, from the motivational and culture building point of view, you can you know uh, mention that and. and uh, basically show other people that this is the way um, things should be done. So that's one of extra bits that you would have in, in, in Google Sites. I think I need to mention here because potentially your listeners may just go in and jump in and want to start the, the wiki now. And yeah. 
there is this thing that uh, Google is uh, launching a new version of yeah. Google Sites, which is called Google Sites version two, and the first one is version one. Um, and that kind of may be, may be a bit confusing, which one should we go for? Uh, so I just need to mention here that I still use the version one uh, because it has many more um, options and um, uh, features that are needed. Uh, version two is good. It looks good. It's more mobile friendly. It's kind of trendy design but it still lacks uh, a lot of features. And the, the main one that is really needed for the wiki is um, page level permissions. Uh, um. So again, I quickly mentioned that. And uh, let's imagine we build our structure that you mentioned first, and we have a finance department, right? Um, and then inside our wiki, we have a finance department and then sub pages for that finance department. Let's imagine you, you know, you have some VAs or employees that may sh maybe shouldn't look at some finance department SOPs. So, um, you know, the version, the, the Google Site version one gives you an ability to restrict access on the page level, sub page level uh, to that. And that's what I, that's really what I love about it and what, what, what makes it capable of being a company wiki because if you don't have that facility of restricting access to your users it's not really a company wiki it's just it's just a page with stuff right yeah so so google size version 2 doesn't have that yet crazy uh, why, why not <laughs> which is kind of easy for them to do right it's it's google right it's google suite so they, they should be able to do that now uh, i spoke to some people at google i have some connections there and there's also official announcements um, that, because um, maybe your listeners will be worried, oh, I'll start in version one and then they will change everything. I have to do it again. Uh, so no, I, from what I know, I can predict that we're talking three years, uh, around three years before the version two will be completely, you know, taking over what? the one. Mm. Um, because first of all, there's like trillions of pages and websites built on version one. So they cannot just change it like that. And second of all, when they, they promised that only in 2018, they will start introducing tools for migration. Um, and only after most websites are migrated, which is like trillions, only then they will start slowly shutting down the version one, which I don't mind because I like version one, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they, they promised that once, once it's all ready, which is roughly two, three years, um, all the features that we like in version one will be available in version two. And then wow. I'll be happy to switch. Which so I got to get on, I got to get on Google sites one for fast before they stop letting <laughs> me sign up. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they're still, it's still open and um, literally they will only start introducing some tools to, to migrate in late 2018. And then they said there's another year to let people migrate. And then there's another year to slowly shut it down. So it's, it's don't worry. Like, don't let, I'm just talking to your users, like don't sure, let that sure. stop you, right? Like don't let worry about version one, version two, just go I know. version one, start building and like worry later. Three okay. years, your business will be. Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's, that's nothing to worry about there. Nice. As long as okay. you, right? Great. So we got the Google Wiki, Google Sites. I've been advised of that too, and I got to get off my butt and, uh, and do that. <laughs> Maybe Angelica can help, <laughs> but because uh, yeah. I know she's comp actually she has trouble finding. We have so many SOPs, so uh, yeah, I gotta get off my butt <laughs> and do that. Yeah. 
Um, especially if you have your your things already in Google Docs, like it's 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 easier, right? It's mostly copy and paste, and you can also link um, okay. from 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 the Google sites to the documents initially. So you don't need to like move them. You know, initially you could just create a structure inside the wiki and just make direct links to uh, to the documents. So that will be the first. Okay. Mm. recommend to you and then when you're like ready you can just start copying and moving and pasting very cool yeah so so basically yeah it's google stuff is so confusing i sometimes lose trust because they they close certain products and they uh, change products so now there's something called like storage or drive I even get confused with Google Docs and Google Drive and now Google Sites, but this is yeah. this is uh, different. So this is actually where you use it like Dropbox kind of or? Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, for you now it will be completely confusing because in a way you are using Google Drive for your Google Docs, right? To store your Google Docs. Well, basically what Google Drive is, is, is like a box, like a Dropbox, but it's, it's, it's from Google, right? Uh, and you know, when you have your wiki on a Google site, that kind of frees up the the Google Drive as a place where you would only store things that are more tangible, like files, you know, design files, um, videos, pictures, mm. images, scanned documents. And then they don't get confused with the docs with the documents with SOPs, right? Mm. So that's why I like to keep them separate because like wiki, that would be the separate thing, nothing, nothing to do with files. And then storage, that makes sense. It's, it's storage. Um, it's in a way it's different to, to wiki because it just holds files and okay. you know, more tangible stuff. So um, again, what's important here, and, you know, saying that many times the structure that you build initially, like people should listen to your, you know, episode four, I think. Yep, episode um, four. You know, those departments then also are being introduced into the, your stories. So when you go to your drive in your Google, it's like Dropbox, but from Google, yep. um, you know, you would have the folders, the, say the top level of the folders would be the departments, right? So the main folder, the first folder would be like marketing, you know, finance and all that. And then go you go inside those and then inside those departments, then you would have other divisions and other files. But at least... You know, everything is kind of put uh, in, a, in a structural format. Uh, so that's why I mention it as a separate thing to Wiki, right? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And now for the, the fun stuff. <laughs> We're both on Asana. I, yeah, I didn't really talk about it too much uh, in episode four of the e-commerce uh, series. But task management, I, you seem like you have a real good system for this. Uh, honestly, I use Asana, but Angelica will probably not let me lie about it we don't i don't really use it so much i kind of use it at the beginning for people but uh once it gets going i i don't i don't know i i kind of lose control a little bit and uh but i'd love to hear how you structure it sure um yeah so for people that don't know asana would be a task management system so like if you have few employees or one, um, you know, you should definitely have some kind of task management system because it just helps with delegation. Like that's what really it does. It just helps you delegate things uh, and then kind of have kind of a bird's eye view on on what's happening and who does what. Um, Again, everything can be managed, you know, on a piece of paper and in a notepad or email, but like we really want to kind of avoid, uh, avoid all that. So, and also I need to mention here that 
probably many of your listeners would be a solopreneurs, right? Yeah, uh, people yeah. that are working on their own and then don't even have their first VA. And I also recommend solopreneurs to install and use, you know, say Asana for this example. Um, because the reason for that is to build up a habit of assigning tasks and assigning dates and building lists. Uh, because now when you like, when you, when you do that, uh, the next time you get your first employee or VA, instead of assigning the task to yourself, which will really feel weird initially, like why would I assign things to myself, right? I know what to do and I know where should I do them. But, you know, the fact that you, that you have that habit, okay, I need to work on my PPC for, for this Amazon listing, right? Okay, yep. open Asana, um, marketing department, task, work on PPC, assign to me, you know, assign the date. And, you know, that's that habit. Um, first of all, what you're doing here is you're building a task list for yourself uh, and getting that habit of, of assigning. So then you get the first VA, you know, you're like, okay, you know, content or some, you know, marketing Instagram thing. Okay, assign it to your VA, give a date. Like the, the habit's already there, right? So again, it's not for people with teams and, you know, ten, you know tens of people working. It's It's for everybody. And again, the sooner you start, the better. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So um, again, from the structure that you mentioned, we bring that structure again back to week um, to to asana. So uh, there's many ways to divide asana, um, and there's like many systems that people use. Um, what I tend to do is there's things called projects in asana. So I use projects as the department. So the first level of projects would be the departments, which let's say is you know operations, product development, or R&D, sales, marketing. And so these would be the projects. And then inside the projects, in theory, you could just you know put in a lot of tasks for that department. Um, but what I tend to do, and maybe that would be useful for, for, for you guys, is um, thankfully Asana gives us another division option, which is sections. Um, and yeah, yeah. I tend to add sections to those departments. Um, and if, if you want, Mike, I can draw, go through my, my sections if it's not too boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, you also have your, your program people should sure. use, but uh, if if you want to give a brief overview or how, I'm kind of curious because I do those two. Like my main use of Asana really is the onboarding of a new team member. So I have like mm-hmm. a template and then I have it sectioned off by like ty- types of tasks they need to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't really know how to use or I don't really use it for, yeah, I have the departments. So then I guess you would break down like marketing department by different uh, is that by different people or by different t- t- groups um, of tasks? Yeah, there's there's different approaches. Um, and if if some of your listeners heard about the system, you know the Scrum from from Agile. Yeah. Uh, although it's more like for developers and and startups, and um, for for like web um, apps and things like that. I, I kind of took the good parts from it and used used for it for my benefits. And uh, so the section that I tend to have is what's called a sprint, uh, which is basically tasks that are need to be done now, which is like the top priorities that are, you know, tasks that really is like top of the line task list. So yep. that would be the sprint and the sprint uh, section. And then just to keep it nicely, I have a recurring tasks, recurring tasks mm. section. 
and like each department would have loads of recurring tasks. So if they are under sprint or just in generic uh, list, they they make the list messy, right? Uh, they, they, so they could, could should be kind of um, you know separated. So like example of recurring task for marketing would be I don't know, daily Instagramming. I have a task like this here. Um, so you know, let's say your VA does daily Instagram activities so yeah. that would be a, a recurring task and it's just there it disappears and it keeps popping up every day or every week and all that and okay. um, what's what's what i also have is again that's taken from agile is a backlog uh, section where we put all the ideas for each department that are not priority and shouldn't be like they shouldn't be even looked at and shouldn't be touched and uh, they just go there for the next time when we have our kpi meeting um, and we're like, okay, what should we work on now? So instead of thinking what should be working, we just go through the backlog of each department and okay. see if there are any good ideas there. Um, nice. Yeah. So we, we also have templates, which is what, what, what you have. So for each yep. mar- like department, there's probably some templates that can be used. So it's a separate section for templates. Um, and lately what I've added was a section called uh, Wiki Links, uh, where we simply have just links handy to link directly to each department's uh, SOPs because eventually if you're, you know, if you manage to kind of switch yourself to this task management way of working, uh, you will spend a lot of time in, or your VAs and employees will spend a lot of time in Wiki, in Asana, right? Got it. So instead of going there, looking for Wiki, blah, blah, since they're there, like Asana is the first thing they open every morning, uh, you know, all the links easy should be there, accessed easy, and and, and all that. Mm. So, so that's that's kind of how uh, how that's um, Makes divided. Sense. There. There's many other things that depends on each department, but uh, yeah, we're not gonna go. Okay. As yeah, as no, I get it. I get it. Uh, my, I guess what I'm wondering is, well, what my tip or my trick is, I put SOP links in most uh, Asana task descriptions. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, I currently don't write a lot of text inside the. Asana, I just link to the Google Doc, which is the SOP, and then I put all the details there, and then I set recurring or, or whatever is needed there. But yeah, but yeah that's kind of what I. But this Perfect. is cool. So the next topic you have, we have our outline is chat. Yes. So you use Google Google Hangouts? I I actually we use Slack. Actually, Slack has beaten me down, and I use that more than Asana. And I I know I got to use Asana, not Slack, but. I think Angelica could admit I'm usually assigning tasks or, you know, giving work on Slack. Uh, yeah. I, like I <laughs> yeah. know it's not as organized, but, uh, you know, so then, but Google Hangouts, well, I don't really use. So you're using that or, yeah. or maybe how do you handle well, chat? Exactly. I mean, um, what what I tend to say to people about Slack is that if they if they've never used Slack before um, and they, they're not like proficient and actually know what Slack is and how it can be used, I, I tell them not to do it before oh. they set up their Asana and kind of get yeah. the habit of, of structuring it in Asana first, right? Because mm. then what will happen is that, you know, everything will go to Slack and like it's, it's easier, right? To chat. Yeah, exactly. This now, is what happens. Yeah, exactly. So what, that's what I say. Now, if I say, if people already know Slack and know how, how to use it and know the power of it, that that's fine. They still should use Asana for like task assigning and management and, and looking at that. Then use, um, you know, Slack for like 
chats related to those. Um, but again, like my experience and my the way I kind of try to help people very, you know, in a hard way that chat really should be reduced to minimum, right? I agree. Um, yeah. It's like, if you look at the whole activities of, of like running an online business, chat conversations are the biggest time wasting. Activity, yeah, I right? know. Unfortunately, chats will never be about the subject they are because they will also get sidetracked, right? Everything will always go somewhere else, right? And it's hard to stop and, and, and all that, just like, you know, in, in real life. But um, so what I tend to say is, okay, chats are reserved for personal conversations and urgent matters, right? Um, now, if there is a something related to a particular task, that should happen inside Asana under that task in the comment section. That's it. It's easy to track. You know, when people say like, oh, let's, you know, I can't log in in, in your chat box, right? You're like, you can't log in where, right? So that's already an extra question. Like, well, I can't log in there. Well, if it's happening in Asana, right, under task that's related to, you know, Instagram, a text of, you know, I can't log in means, okay, they can't log into to Instagram. Okay, this is an extreme example, right, of, of how it can shorten the whole thing. But that's just an illustrative idea of, you know, if there is a task-related issue, it should be happening under that task in, in Asana. Got it, got it. So, um, again, chats are great. And in terms of, like, motivation, building teams and all that, that should, in my opinion, be happening on weekly or monthly or bi-weekly, whichever way you, you want to do it, calls with your team, not on your chats, right? Um, so like any things that, that are really need to be discussed, um, it's easier to discuss it face-to-face -face in a video format uh, rather than, you know, type and lose a lot of time typing and like, trying to explain and all that. So, uh, so really chats should be probably limited to, to, to minimum. That's my okay. take on it. I, I understand, but I do feel like it kind of builds some culture. I mean, we get to know each other, you know, I think a little bit in chat, but, yeah. um, you know, especially, you know, in, in, the, in the FBA business, par living, we have a Slack, uh, actually we even have WeChat now, honestly, there's a, Lorenzo's on our team. He's in our, he's our, he's a partner of doing the sourcing and he's, uh, mm. he's in, well, first of all, the internet sucks and in China. So he's in a Iwu markets. You probably know Iwu and yeah, he, yeah. we have a, we have a WeChat group and it's just, that's worse than, uh, as far as productivity is worse because <laughs> it's just a single line of chat, you know, in a group. So I definitely don't re recommend making WeChat, but I guess yeah. for real time stuff, um, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe it's helpful, but yeah. Um, but I do agree. Absolutely. Yeah. It has, you know, space for, for each, each, uh, situation. Like you, you wouldn't want, you know, to wait for somebody to go into Asana and comment something if they're like right there and need your help there and all that. Yeah. So obviously that's, that's a good idea to do. I, but I know I'm not doing such a good job because I have too many people direct messaging me in Slack. So I know my tasks are not clear enough and, uh, delegated better as good as they should be so then password sharing we both used LastPass, so that, yeah it's yeah, awesome I'm sure, yeah you mentioned it many many probably many times in uh in your podcast so yeah that's something people kind of tend to forget because they're like oh you know this is brilliant we have everything there but uh then when it comes to like you know it's an online business you you have like 
15 online services or at least that right mm -hmm. and then you start to outsourcing or you know assigning tasks to your to your employees and vas and like you know should i give them the password yeah. if i do should i like text it to them just in case <laughs> i put it in some safe you know google docs yeah the stupid google spreadsheets <laughs> yeah. with every password in them I exactly hate. which is kind of dangerous to do right so exactly. like from the security point of view so again uh last pass for those people that don't know it allows your vas and your employees to log into the services without them actually knowing the passwords so the yep. benefit of that is when you um when they say they leave your company normally what you would, would have to do and when your employee leaves a company that had previous access to your passwords you need to change all the passwords which is like a lot of work uh, for 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 many while in this yeah. case you just take them off lastpass account and like they couldn't write that password down before so it's um, yeah definitely super useful tool yeah definitely um so this has been awesome Marcin. and i uh i guess we're both geeks on this so i hope we're not boring everybody to death yeah, on this show yeah. <laughs> but, it's not it's not the sexiest subject isn't it it doesn't sound sexy but it's sexy when it works when it exactly. works exactly. it's amazing uh i don't know how, maybe we can get some, some hopefully positive feedback from angelica working <laughs> with with me i hope uh, it's helpful but uh the last one, I think, for today, I mean, we can go on forever, but I think making SOPs, uh, you have a strategy I, I, we, we've talked about in the email that uh, mm -hmm. is a little bit different than mine. So, well, I think it's pretty similar, but I'd love to hear your, your, your strategy for building lots of SOPs fast. Yeah, sure. Um, the, well, initially, my strategy is um, that I don't believe that people should spend too much time on actually doing uh, the SOPs in the beginning stages of, of their business and, and all that. And there is, again, place for everything in, in time, depending on your business. But um, since working with like Amazon sellers, I, mm -hmm. what I found is that that part was like so overwhelming to them. Yeah, yeah. It stopped them from doing the initial parts, which is like the structure yeah. foundations. So, so in a way, my approach, I think it's still right, but it's more to help people move forward with the whole systematization thing rather than being stuck in like, I have to make those SOPs. Like, you know, you get to the SOPs making journey once you have your structure first, right? So that's, that's why I, I kind of moved it to, to the last and moved it to a more relaxed approach. Uh, and that means um, that I believe that all you have to do initially uh, is just record videos of yourself doing uh, that particular task. Uh, and you're not really wasting much time. Maybe it's a little bit longer than what you would normally do it very quickly because you know what you're doing, because you're trying to explain it in a nice voiceover system in, in the videos um, of what you're actually doing, why you're doing it in, in, in the video itself. So in a way, you're like writing the SOPs in your head while you're doing this and speaking about the whole process during the video. Yep. And like why I think this is a better idea. Again, first of all, it's it's easier, right? And you don't get hold, you know, hold on, hold up on, on, on just writing that. And some people like are not really good at writing their own SOPs. Like entrepreneurs may not be the best people to actually yeah. write the SOPs, right? Uh, because you know they know how to do, they probably do it quicker and faster and like they couldn't even put it into into steps. So but they can do it. So they can they should record that. And what I then believe is that 
let's imagine you're a solopreneur. You you record those things. Uh, so the first thing, let's imagine you have your VA and you have uh, you have your wiki and your structure. So all you have to do is just put those videos in your wiki in each mm. section. Like that's that's the maximum you should be doing, right? In your data, that's what I believe. And then when you get your first VA, when you hire your people, that will also solve the problem of, you know, what is the first task I should give to my VA? Because like people get, you know, scared, like, okay, I got my VA, like what should I give it, you know, to her, to him? Uh, so that also solves that problem because, bam, this is their first task. You know, watch an SOP from that particular task that you think you may need them for in upcoming days, right? Watch that video 10 times, I don't care. You know, try to do it yourself kind of dry uh, on, on, on your own. And then try to write an SOP based on, uh, on that experience on that video. So you're killing like two birds with one stone, right? You're, you're giving the first task to your VA and you're like, you know, that pressure of giving the first task is, is gone. Uh, and second of all, it also acts a little bit like another interview test, another interview question, because I assume that when you hire a VA, you kind of maybe give them a test period of like mm-hmm. months or, or a few weeks or whatever. Like that would be also a good idea to see if, you know, that person is capable of, of taking your video, like with the way you speak, the way you, you know, explain things. And, and if they can, you know, use that to create a nice SOP, that's a good sign, right? Nice. If they can't, either they, they, they can't do it, you know, their abilities are not, um, you know, spot on, or they simply don't, you know, align with the way you talk, the way you explain things. So again, that's another sign of maybe it's not the best choice. So that Correct. kind of is, is, is a good idea to, to do right. first. Uh, and, you know, and that's, that solves many problems. And you don't waste time writing and worrying about the SOPs. And, uh, Man, I spend... Yeah. Angelica, you, you, you ready to get some more work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, no, man. I got, I got more stuff to do. I, uh, I write... I, I write... I do, I do both the writing and the videos for them. But uh, another, another tip um, for some people that have... That are frozen making SOPs that I want to share is like we have uh, talk about the FBA business. We have mayor. He's our advisor. He's awesome. So he's, he's not so active in the business, but he's in our Slack channel. He's on our weekly calls. Sometimes he drops some links. Sometimes he drops some pointers about some strategies in that channel, man. I just pop into Google docs. I make a new SOP. I just copy that and I paste it. I don't even, I mean, yeah, I could make it much more clear. Um, you know, or people asking questions in Slack, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? I'm taking those questions, I'm pasting them into the SO, a new SOP, and then I'm finding the answer on Google and I'm pasting the link and then I'm sending them that document and I'm telling them to like use that and then add to that as they go. So exactly. sometimes, sometimes I just copy an email, somebody emails me, I paste it into a Google Doc and then just to get that started, just to get the structure going. Um, yeah, but videos are great too. Actually, I want to talk. You have some software. I'm, I guess I'm on the old school software <laughs> uh, yeah. side of this, but you have smaller software that you think is good for videos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I personally was also a long time in the what I called an old school uh, way of recording videos uh, in your screen, which like the most common uh, is Camtasia for PC. I think there is a alternative for for Mac. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I have, uh, a Camp- I have Camtasia on Mac. All right. So, yeah, so it works on Mac as well. Uh, so Camtasia, brilliant. Obviously, it's like 
it does way more than potentially you may need for like recording recording SOPs. Um, and there's also Jink, very commonly used, like in last like two years ago, let's say, which yeah. is an easy way of recording things and, and sending a link to, to, to your VA, for example, to, to watch it. Uh, they're still fine. You know, the fact that Camtasia is more than you need and the fact that Jing is kind of an old technology, it sometimes relies on Flash and like that's mm-hmm. a bit outdated. Uh, so there's this new thing, you know, in the last, 12 months, um, many softwares kind of popped out in this screen recording space. And a few that I can mention for you to for you guys to check out sure. is um, Vistia with W, W-I-S-T-A-I. Yeah. Uh, they have like their own, you know, video service, but they've launched a free screen recording plugin to your Chrome called Soapbox. Um, so that is also very simple. You just click a link, click a little icon, record the, the screen. You can do a, a bit of editing, which is like you can have your face in. You can zoom in, zoom out. You don't even have to do that. You just three seconds, copy the link and paste it to your okay. Asana or to your wiki, and it's just there. So that's free. Uh, I think there's some time um, limit in terms of length of the video, so that's you may need to ch- check it out. Um, there's a Loom, L-O-O-M. I think the website is useloom.com. That, I think this one is taking like the market by storm, if that's how you say it. Yep. Uh, yep. It's basically, it's, it's very good. It's very quick and it acts as the same way. You just click click a, an icon on your browser and just record the video. Uh, and what it does is very quickly renders the video. So like in your, in your Camtasia, right, you just record it and it opens the Camtasia, then you to render it and it takes time. While Loom, they have like a patented technology that it takes literally a few seconds to render, you know, 20 minute video. Uh, and it's just available then on a link that you can just paste um, nice. in your wiki or in your. So that's that's good. There's also HiFi, which is H Y F Y. It's very similar to, to Loom and Vistia, but they are concentrating more on privacy. Uh, uh, but this one, I think, is it, it's paid. Um, yeah. So the other ones are free. This one is paid, but because it's paid, it has this this extra feature of, you know, limiting limiting access per user. So that may be also worth uh, checking out. Now, for uh, I currently use Switch to Loom because it's easy, L-O-O-M, uh, and that's that's a tool of my choice for now. And uh, yeah, so that's the, definitely you should check them out. They're just so awesome. Easy. Thanks so much, Morrison. I mean, this has been a very, uh, very helpful show um, for, well, not just our FBA business, but also business in general. I think everybody is getting a lot of from this. How can people, uh, you know, get, you have a program that I I, see, sure. I definitely recommend and other things. So what what's ways to find out more? Sure. Um, I live under amazingworksystem.com. Uh, so it's amazingworksystem.com. If you go forward slash blog, you go directly to all the free articles there. Um, I have a direct link, amazingworksystem.com forward slash GFA for Global from Asia. And okay. that will redirect you to a, a little free example of how I do my processes in Asana. So if you're like kind of listen to what we just said and you had like you can't really visualize you know how the process would look inside asana and there's a there's a free and not only a boring pdf uh, there's actually a a video of me going through the the whole process i think that will give you a good 
good okay. idea. So amazingworksystem.com forward slash GFA for global nice. okay. uh, And you can you can check check it out there. There's also contact details there somewhere. You can always reach reach out uh, to me there. Okay, thank you so much, Marcin. And and uh, we I think this is gonna help help our FBA business also help the Global from Asia show and 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 Angelica has got more work. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's gonna start helping making SOP. So far it's me making them, but I think uh, it's about time some people help me. But um well we will we'll definitely keep you posted. Uh, we're gonna plug this in with Roland and Kadrian and and our team Jack and everybody too. So so uh I uh, appreciate your time today and uh that's it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mike. It was a pleasure. All right. So this was an amazing one. Thanks, Morrison, so much for sharing that amazing content with us. I just love that we're just putting this knowledge out there. I'm uh, I'm doing this conclusion after Cross Border Matchmaker that happened before the show went live, and we're changing changing lives here. We're making things happen, making people take action. And my kids are growing up as we do this podcast. Life is uh, life is really amazing, but uh, systems are very important. And Marcin and I seem to geek out on this stuff. Hopefully, we didn't bore you to death. I think uh, even Angelica learned a lot on the show too. So it's just empowering people, right? Just a lot of times people need to know the system. They don't uh, know, can't read our minds can't uh can't guess what we want and we need to tell them what to do and the best is to make it an organized document and a system so i hope you guys take action with this information and take actions in your business and make things happen life is short and we need to make the most of it thanks for tuning in mike michelini signing off to get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.